Hello and welcome to Select Match Type. My name's Simon Cowgill and I'm joined as always by Christopher Ellis. Hi Chris, how are you? I am very well, Simon. I nearly said enjoying lockdown 8.0 or whatever it is. <laughs> no, no, it's a, it's a tier system now. It's something completely different, Chris. Oh yeah, sorry, I'm at tier, <laughs> tier 3.0 here in sunny, sunny Sheffield, which means we haven't been able to be down the pub for some considerable amount of time now. No, one day um, we'll hopefully be able to get back to the pubs. That what a, what a fine day that will be. Our match today, then, we're carrying on our Buried Alive series, and as mentioned, it's a first for the podcast as we are looking at a match on SmackDown for the very first time. Uh, what a throwback um, to probably one of my favourite eras in wrestling that this was. So I um, I put the episode on of SmackDown on the network, and just everything about it screamed out to me um as the sort of wrestling that i watched as a 10 and 11 year old so all of the pyro to start the show don't get that much pyro in the whole show these days but just as the the tv opens the pyro goes wild there's signs with about a hundred percent of members of the audience (laughs) it was ridiculous um even things like the the smackdown theme just took me back to watching as a kid when we were carefree and didn't have to worry about stupid things like washing our hands after going to the toilet. <laughs> the old old school Titan Tron. Yeah, just, just the, the disc. Even before the, the SmackDown fist, there was the, the two discs, just one with it above the stage and one slightly to the right. Everything was great. But then you remember, of course, on commentary on SmackDown those days, Michael Cole and Jerry the King Lawler. What's the opposite of every cloud? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every every silver line, every piece of silver has a cloud attached to it. Yeah. Um, so the match that we're going to cover is the Rock and Sock Connection versus the Big Show and the Undertaker for the tag team titles. Just before we cover that, just skipping through, um, obviously on on the network, it shows segments that have happened through the night, and this was a very loaded episode of SmackDown. There was Edge and Christian versus the Hardys. Bradshaw versus Bubba Ray Dudley, Shamrock calling out Jericho, Kane versus Triple H for the title. There was Steph and Test announcing uh, announcing their engagement, um, and then just before the match, uh, the match segment itself, there was Jeff Jarrett um, saying to Fabulous Mueller, "Back in your day, women knew their place." <laughs> what a throwback to 1999. That could be Jeff Jarrett now. very true Uh, that segment ends up with him hitting her over the head with a guitar and then putting Mae Young in the figure four and then standing over them shouting that's what you get (laughs) that is a jam pack back in the good old days when you when Smackdown and Raw used to be completely do not miss TV when they used to be must miss TV that's nowadays (laughs) that's the opposite yeah (laughs) that's these days maybe there's something to be said about going back to two hours and and not giving too much of a of a good thing. Yeah, well, you got to fill that me- you got to fill that network content somehow. Unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to the to the feud itself. Um, so the Rock had been feuding with the Big Show and the Undertaker, who had aligned um, after Big Show had left the corporation. The Rock was due to face Big Show and um, and the Undertaker on Raw, but Mankind basically pleaded with him that he wanted to be involved as well. So the Rock and Sock connection formed in uh, in August 1999, and they beat Big Show and The Undertaker for the tag titles on on their debut night together. What a crowd-pleasing tag team they were, because Mankind was about as over as a a face as 
as he had been in his career. And The Rock was probably, the, other than Austin, the biggest star in the company at this point. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love Mankind? And who doesn't love The Rock? As you say, they just riff off each other so well as well. That's the whole the whole brilliance of them. Yeah. It's an odd, it's an odd one with this, though. I understand, obviously, they beat The Big Show and The Undertaker for the, for the titles. But then to have the return match as just a very live match out of nowhere. I know, it's, it does feel a little bit odd, but I'm not complaining. It gives us uh, a, a hell of a match, to be fair. And as, as you say, back in the day on SmackDown, this sort of thing with wild stipulations seemed to happen so often. So yeah, the, the, the setup is that it's, uh, as you say, a, a, a buried alive match. Um, there's a lot less effort that's been put into the, uh, the buried alive set this time. It's just a mound next to the stage. There's no headstone and there's definitely not enough dirt to cover someone. Be fair, they're lucky that they're lucky that they guessed that some random event was going to happen. So they had that <laughs> there. We've always just got a pile of mud waiting around. <laughs> out first then, so to the match itself, we get The Undertaker and The Big Show coming out. I quite enjoy their theme with the sort of... No! You don't no, like it? No, you're, you're wrong. Okay. You can't just have The Undertaker theme with just splicing video of The Big Show. I, I quite like it. The actual theme itself when it kicks in isn't great, but I quite like the really dramatic organ intro for it. But it, it, like you say, it is basically the Undertaker theme with um, pictures of the Big Show on the Titantron. If that was these days, they'd just have the words Big Show appear on the Titantron because Titantrons are no longer a thing. But yeah, I see what you're saying. At this point, I should probably mention as well our Twitter poll that we had um, over the weekend. So... Obviously, the Rock and Sock connection and the Big Show and Undertaker aren't necessarily tag teams that you would put together. They're all sort of singles guys first. So I asked our Twitter followers, who was your favourite team out of the two? I don't know if you've seen the results, Chris, but who, who was your favourite out of these two? It's got to be Rock and Sock. Surely they must have won by a landslide. Yeah, um, a solid 95%. <laughs> I I know, like, I was expecting that to be the case. I was expecting the, um, the Rock and Sock connection to win. But by 95% is, is some going. Um, on, at this, I think at this point in time, The Undertaker and Big Show were like a terif- also, um, positioned as a terrifying team. So I think if we'd have run the poll at the time, it might have been a different story. But yeah, they, they haven't it's aged just, as well. No, it's just a Big Show and... Undertaker just seemed to have nothing in common whatsoever. They just doesn't work. They're both big. <laughs> yeah, they're both big. They both are shows. Yes, um, that's about it. What would have been a more interesting, or and I'll, I'll probably do this in the next few weeks, but we should run a poll of what was better out of the Rock and Sock and uh, the two man power trip, um, Austin and Triple H. That would be a, a more close poll, I feel. Yeah, because at least the the two-man power trip at least had a storyline running alongside it that made sense. Yeah, and maybe even the Brothers of Destruction, maybe throw Undertaker and Kane in there as well. Now we're talking. Now we are talking. Um, just before the uh, the match then, we had the smack of the night brought to us by Duke Nukem for Nintendo 64. That's it. That feels like an, a lifetime ago when you had things like that in wrestling. Oh, I love Duke Nukem as well. You never, you won't feel as old ever until you remember playing the original Duke Nukem. No, I did go back and play some N sixty four games recently, and to say they're unplayable because of the graphics is a bit of an, an overstatement. But it, it's, it's not. You remember in your mind about how it had crystal, um, crystal clear 
images and stuff. And yeah, I thought it might be that there was a problem with upscaling to uh, modern TVs, but you could see from the Duke Nukem clips that they showed here that, yeah, N64 graphics were not <laughs> what we remember, I think. No, when you when you go back, they're definitely not not the spectacular memories you you had as a kid. Apart no. from Zombies Ain't My Neighbors, which everyone should still <laughs> play regardless. And that was on the that was on the SNES, and that still holds up. Fair enough. Um, so our smack of the night was, incidentally, a sledgehammer to the back of Kane from China in the uh, WWF title match that he had with Triple H early in the night. Again, how stacked an episode of uh, SmackDown can you have? Uh, Mankind comes out next, and it's the it's very much the face Mankind with the car crash music. He's got his shirt and tie on. Um, this is the the Mankind that I probably watched the most of. Yeah, I mean, it's the one that was around the longest, and I think if you ask any any casual wrestling fan if they just say describe Mankind. And that's, this is a look they'll go to immediately. And it's a, better, it's a better one. As much as the demented, mankind, violent, out of control was great, just this kind of slightly goofball, odd, lovable character was just far better. Yeah, it was better. You say it was longer, but it, it's probably about the same because Mankind debuted in what, like 95, 96, and then it was late 98 that he changed um, to this version of Mankind. And then he'd retired by 2000. <laughs> okay, yeah. Maybe it just <laughs> clear, clearly just feels longer with the, uh, new, with the different version. Yeah, and then he moves like, to, to the Mick Foley commissioner role. Oh, just talking about it gets me so excited at this time. <laughs> so Mankind comes out, as I say, um, he goes right into the ring. King is right to point out that that is... Uh, idiocy and he's got a suicide wish because he just starts to be beaten down by Big Show and Undertaker. Yeah, it's, it's not the smartest thing in the world to do. It's okay. And you, you think The Rock would get out a lot quicker when this, when this starts happening. So the, no. the Rock used to do this on SmackDown all the time when he was in tag matches that he would wait in the back almost to build the crowd up so that he gets an even bigger pop when he comes out to make the save. Um, yeah, he, he did it quite often because as as you as um, anyone who watched SmackDown in like 2000, 2001 will know, tag team main events were definitely a go-to on SmackDown. Yeah, it's just, it always makes you laugh as well when, you, when they have the music hit when someone else is coming out. It's like Mankind's being attacked and The Rock's there standing there going, no, have you got my music queued up? No, I'm not going on to we have. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going out for nothing, no pop whatsoever. But he doesn't even run out either. He's just walking down the ring with his title in his hand, not giving a shit. <laughs> the Undertaker does go up, up to the ramp and stop him um, and cut him off. And we, we're off to a very quick start here. The, I did notice The Rock um, just throws the title over his shoulder. Doesn't really respect the tag titles, I guess. It's all about uh, singles glory for him. Well, to be fair, WWE don't, so why should they <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Cole, again, reminds us about the, uh, the dirt. It's two tons of cold, dark, damp soil. Yep, that is dirt, Michael. Thanks again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got that spot on, yeah. At least he hasn't, hasn't described, gone through every single word he's ever heard to describe dirt like he normally <laughs> yeah, does. Exactly. Um, he did, does tell us at this point that both men have to be buried alive, which is not the case. He changes the rules for, of, of the match pretty constantly throughout. We've, yeah, we've, the buried alive match is a, is a match that we've had issues with with the rules so far. 
And it doesn't I mean, get any better on this one either. No, I mean, it, it should be relatively simple. Bury a man alive. Um, obviously, adding a tag team uh, element to it does complicate it slightly. And I, th- I thought that the ring announcer might have explained something like only one man has to be buried or, or whatever. But yeah, it was quite confusing where Michael Cole tells us here that both men have to be buried, uh, which could go on forever, essentially. <laughs> like getting both men into a grave at the same time and burying them wouldn't necessarily be the easiest thing to do. No, because... <laughs> Especially, it's hard enough for them to just keep mankind in there, let's face it, by the end. Yeah, yeah, true. The crowd are incredibly hot for The Rock. Um, any punch that he hits, the crowd pop big. He goes for the people's elbow early on Big Show and the crowd are so into it. Um, bounces off the ropes, but The Undertaker grabs his leg and pulls him out. So they, they brawl on the outside. Meanwhile, Big Show hits the showstopper. Remember when it, he did actually kneel down with the choke slam instead of just choke slamming people yeah also hip, hips have got to go at some point i found recently <laughs> yeah, I, can, I can barely crouch down anymore now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, i'd say so, just just with them with mt going inside the ring it's clear who wwe's big players are in this match because it's very much undertaker and rock going to each other the entire match yeah, you don't seems, you don't really see Foley, you don't really see Foley go square off against the Undertaker massively, or the Rock with the Big Show. It's clear that they're the Foley and Big Show are there to do most of the work, whereas the Rock and the Undertaker are your big hairs and they're yeah. they're keeping them completely separate. It's not like we haven't seen enough of um, mankind and the Undertaker in the re- years preceding this. To be fair, that's true. And we will see a lot of the Rock and Big Show in the year or so after this as well. Um, so yeah, Big Show hits the showstopper on Mankind. Um, Undertaker throws the Rock over the announce table and Michael Cole basically drops his headset and runs away. Um, there is far too much to focus on for the cameraman. I feel like it's just jolt into the ring and out at this point in the match. Yeah, true. Cole eventually does come back on though. Yeah. With, with, with him saying, am I on King? And King saying, unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Therefore, echoing the sentiment of every single person. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and as if to demonstrate that point, uh, within 30 seconds, he's reminded us, keep in mind, King, this is a buried alive match, so you must bury your opponent. Thanks. It's been, what, five minutes into the match, and I'd completely forgotten where we were. He probably... I know I feel sorry for Michael Cole. I know I feel sorry for Michael Cole, Michael Cole ever. But you just know he's got Vince in his ear. Just constantly going. Tell him it's very live. Tell him what we're doing. Very live. Yeah, exactly. Um, Big Show carries mankind up the ramp um, towards the uh, to the mound of dirt. Meanwhile, Undertaker swings a chair. Uh, the Rock manages to duck. Um, so the Undertaker hits the the ring post, and then Rock hits a a mean looking low blow, a swift kick to the penis. That's well, we already commented on what the Undertaker is retirement and how his testicles are clearly going to be grateful for the fact that he. Uh, Definitely. he's now no longer involved I don't think anyone's ever really taught uh, until a few episodes ago we hadn't touched on it but since then every Undertaker match low blow it, it happens in every single one hence his retirement and so his he can exactly we're on to something here so the Rock and Mankind uh, and the big show are then are, um, around the grave because the Rock's come to help Mankind um, Mankind hits a low blow to the big show with a shovel which I know um, obviously you can mitigate the pain by uh, being sort of ready for it, but a shovel to the to the groin area would still be quite painful. I feel. 
Yeah, I do. I do believe so because obviously rock has hold the other side of it. And they both they both lift it up at the same same time. I don't care if you've got a cup on or whatever. That is that's still gonna make your eyes water. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then they use the shovel to push the big show into the grave. Um, if they cover show, it's over. So this is where Michael Coles decided that you only actually need to cover one person. So. Uh, Slightly confusing again, going through the rules. The Undertaker's now back on his feet and comes up to the mound. He beats up Mankind as The Rock carries on digging or shoveling dirt onto the Big Show. King says, Undertaker, better hurry up and stop The Rock because uh, the Big Show's about to lose any seconds. Don't worry, you've got a long time, Undertaker, as we've seen from the previous matches. We, we still need to decide. I say that's the problem again. We need to decide. At which point are we saying this match is over? Because... Uh, I think apart the first one, there was a there was a lot of messing around and not really knowing how to put dirt on people. Yeah. And the second one, they seemed they seemed to get a decision fairly quick, fairly quickly. But this this one, they seem to put a lot of dirt on in a short space of time without there being a pinfall or a yeah. or a decision. Yeah, I. I agree. Um, it's Earl Hebner. He's been the referee in every one so far. He's a law unto himself, that man. Then when he got fired. The Undertaker uh, comes back by throwing dirt into the Rock's face. A, a very nice uh, heel move for some cheap heat there. They brawl a bit and head backstage. Um, meanwhile, Big Show and The Undertaker make their way onto the stage. Show then launches Mankind from the stage into the mound and he bounces into the grave. Now, it's obviously not quite the Hell in a Cell spot where he's falling from a massive height because there's probably only like three or four feet height difference between the top of the the SmackDown stage and the mound. But it's still a brutal sounding bump as he falls onto the, onto the mound and then rolls into the grave. And it's, It's sorry, go on. Yeah, it's it's, not, as I say, not worried about the height because it's barely any difference. It's just the sheer distance. Yeah. Because you see it, you see it the first time and you think, wow, that that looked really impressive. And then you kind of you slowly discount how much how bad it could have actually been, how impressive it were. Yeah. And when you see the replay later on, you go, "Yeah, that is actually quite quite away." Yeah, the replay that's shown later is um, from like from the grave. So um, with mankind coming towards it, it looks terrifying. King does say that he must have thrown him fifty feet, which I think is a slight exaggeration, but it's still a ridiculous bump to take on um, on SmackDown as opposed to a, a pay per view. Um, I did notice as well that Cole said he must be broken in half, and again, I assume this is Vince in his ear um, trying to push the call back to. JR saying, as God as, his, as God as my witness, he must be broken in half. I, I don't think I'd have picked up on that if we hadn't have looked back on the uh, Hell in a Cell match, but it did make me, did make me think. Yeah, stop trying to get, I don't, stop trying to get phrases over. Just leave them to naturally be brilliant. You stop, know, try, stop trying to make fetch happen, Michael. That's a, yeah, it's just, we don't care. It's, you just sound, you, you just sound like, I'll say again, I feel sorry for him because it's clearly Vince piping stuff into his ear. But you're sounding like a JR wannabe at this yeah. point. It's, um, it reminded me as well of when um, Shane McMahon is, uh, comes off the top of the cell and goes through the table and Cole says, for the love of mankind. <laughs> like, you don't need to emphasise the word mankind. We get what you're trying to do there, Michael. Oh, well. What are you going to do? No. Uh, so 
Big Show heads over to the grave. Um, Mankind is somehow still uh, still in it, and he manages to uh, get the mandible claw, uh, or just what Michael Cole, Michael Cole calls Socko here. It's I don't like the way they sort of moved away from the mandible claw being a terrifying move into, ooh, get that dirty sock out of my mouth. Oh, yeah, but I mean, it's still a submission move, though, essentially. I mean, it's not like they made it any less effective per se. I can understand I can understand what you mean, but they, when they move into this more cartoonish mankind kind of figure... It's it weird, though, because they were, move, they were moving... Everything else was going less cartoonish, and then mankind, yeah, is... Oh, no, I've got a dirty sock on my hand. But, yeah. Yeah, what, what, made, what annoyed me more with this was the amount of time the Mandible Claw took. Yeah, true. Couldn't even put the big show down to begin with. No. It should be that when it gets hooked in, it should be like 30 seconds of fighting against it before you pass out, not... Well, that's what it was. Out and then getting back up and then rolling around. Yeah, that's what it was when he used to use it on The Undertaker when, when he first came in. But both men are in the grave. Cole uh, tells us it's a six-foot pit. But at this point, both of them stand up and it's waist high on the big show. So the big show is seven foot two, which means his upper body is only a foot. There you go. There's uh, <laughs> something you didn't know before this podcast. Well, my man loves a freak show. so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, true. Um, and eventually, as you say, big show is, is out after the, the mandible claw. So mankind rolls him in and starts shoveling. The camera then cuts backstage to focus on Undertaker and The Rock. Triple H hits The Rock from behind backstage. Kane stops it as the Undertaker sort of runs away to to go and rejoin the match. Um, at that it's, point, it's... China, at that point, China hits Kane with a chair, which he no sells, and then Kane chases chases China away. It's the uh, the cat ate the spider, the dog eats the cat. <laughs> it felt a bit like that at this point. It's the it's the under- it's when the, it's when Triple H jumps the rock. And it's the Undertaker's little flap of his hand as he just goes, oh, forget it. And just wanders <laughs> off. Yeah. Well, you've got this. Yeah, I'll leave you to it. So this was, uh, this sort of tying all of the stories that were happening at this point together. So obviously I mentioned we had Triple H facing Kane in the WWF title match earlier on in the show. Um, Triple H had also been feuding with, uh, with the big show and the Undertaker around the title, which is where he's obviously got the WWF title. But yeah, they're, they're really merging everything into, into one here. Undertaker then heads back out and stops Mankind from shoveling the dirt. He is hit over the back of the head with a shovel and falls into the grave just as the big show's getting out. It's a good job they timed that, otherwise it could have gone drastically wrong. <laughs> yeah, just kill yeah well we have that with Big Show on Foley later on where yeah, too much pressure and he just smothers him to death yeah um, there's big Rocky chants from the crowd I did notice at this point there's only one shovel for a tag team match as well um, <laughs> it's going to take forever which is why The Undertaker tells Big Show to carry on digging um, and he goes to the stage, which is handy for what happens next. That loads of shovels last time. Yeah, okay. seven for a one-on-one match, but we have one for a tag team match. Has he actually taken them back? Have they just gone? Has he gone? Did he rock up the home depot the next day and go right? I want to return. He should have just kept them. The rate yeah. they keep going through. I mean, maybe or maybe Vince has seen. Well, you only used one last time, so I'm not going to waste money buying seven. Um, I'm either going to buy way too many or, or too few. There's no in-between. Possibly. Very, very possibly. 
Um, I really thought they were two. I thought I saw them dig, both digging at some point, but clearly my mind is playing tricks on me. I just, well, I noticed it because the, the big show was digging and the Undertaker basically had his clipboard out <laughs> managing the, the project. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, it's weird the way your mind plays tricks on you. Yeah. Um, so as I say, Undertaker heads to the stage and The Rock comes back out to, to go after The Undertaker. Triple H, um, as uh, Big Show is burying Mankind though, comes from behind and hits Big Show in the back of the neck and, and head area with a with a sledgehammer. That was, it was a brutal. It was a big show. Yeah. Sorry, did, what did I say? I was say, yeah, because Triple H comes out, kills Big Show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was. It reminded me of um, um, the coverage that we had of the Triple H um, and Shawn Michaels versus Big Show and uh, the McMahons, where Triple H hits the Vince in the back of the head with the hammer. Except this one doesn't break. No, I wouldn't. I, I just don't know what they used. It must be like a. It's got to be like a foam sledgehammer. Yeah. Again, is it? Are we going to get our second Timmy Mauer in there? Maybe he's used one of those, and it just goes ah, as it hits him in the back of the head. <laughs> um, so Triple H then buries mankind. Um, some men just want to watch the world burn. He doesn't. He doesn't know what side to pick here. No, yeah. He'd, I mean, I was say he's attacked the big show. Who then goes? I'm just going to just going to fill this grave in. I'm just going to take care of the admin part of the night. No, I want to take care of the admin. <laughs> And win you the tag team titles for some reason. Um, so yeah, the, the ref, Earl Hebner, calls for the bell. And we've got new tag team champions again as Mankind is barely covered by dirt here because there just wasn't enough dirt to actually bury someone. Um, Triple H does carry on with, with the shovel. Meanwhile, an ambulance gets backed into the arena, which M- Michael Cole says is obviously to help Mankind. We haven't seen an ambulance in any other Buried Alive match, so I don't know where he's getting that from. no. Because if anyone needs help at this point, it's the man who's just had his back of his head caved in with a sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah, the one whose brain you can see <laughs> from the back of his head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Triple H goes and opens it, and Austin, making his return from SummerSlam, where Triple H won the title, uh, jumps out, and Cole says, we know what they say, King. Paybacks. Paybacks. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's not the saying. I know, I know that they don't want to say payback's a bitch on TV, but why bring the saying up if you don't want to do it? Well, you know what they say, paybacks. Paybacks, <laughs> indeed. The, um, this is, the thing with this as well is Austin's in the back of the ambulance. Someone else has clearly reversed it up. If the ambulance, if, if we'd have followed the, the normal format for these Bear Alive matches... And we'd had no ambulance. We'd have just been sitting in there for the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Well, he's been in the same ambulance since he went off, uh, went off injured. So it's just handy that the, the paramedics have been able to do surgery in the back of an ambulance somehow. Um, so yeah, Austin uh, goes after Triple H, um, beats him up all around the, uh, around the gravesite and throws him in back into the ambulance, um, drives out. He's going at quite a pace when he starts driving out of the arena as well. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not... He's, they don't care. He's, he's lowering to himself. He's just like, no, traffic, traffic accident be damned. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
it looked like Austin was about to kidnap him. So he starts to turn right. And I noticed that there was a, just a car that was parked in a position where nothing could get through. So I wasn't sure if this was like the original plan and what the end of it was going to be at this point uh, to have him <laughs> just drive away. But... I'll tell you what, if, if Austin had just gone off script, that was a hell of a risk. <laughs> it was, yeah. Fuck this. Um, so yeah, Austin gets out of the ambulance, um, goes into a huge freight truck, and then smashes into the ambulance, reverses, smashes into it again. So if, yeah, if he has got off script, this is quite the, uh, <laughs> the risk that he would be taking. The, it, it looks great. And obviously, we, we love, we love seeing someone possibly killed on national TV. Exactly. But the only thing I, I wish they'd have done with it, or why, and I don't see why they didn't, Clearly, Triple H isn't, isn't sitting in the back of the ambulance going, oh, I, hope he, I hope he misses me. So we've got the ambulance just sitting there, but he crashes into the front half of the ambulance and leaves the back half where Triple H would be completely unscathed. If you want to make it look realist and make it look like you've actually seriously injured Triple H, why did he not actually drive into the section where he would have been? Yeah, <laughs> it's a good question. Um, I'm not sure how accurate you would be trying to crash a freight truck into an ambulance, but <laughs> everyone's a critic, aren't they? <laughs> well, I don't drive, so I'd have difficulty. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We'd have an eight and a half hour smackdown as I keep stalling a truck. Yeah, it'd be like... Um, Homer when he's pretending to be a pilot so he can get into the bar. I keep telling you I'm not a pilot. <laughs> and then just on the runway, the wheels just pop off the bar. <laughs> yeah, that would, that, very, that would have been a great way to smack that. That was very much what it was like. But no, I just... He has we'd, a decent, have free, has we'd have decent... three flights to wherever we want to go in, in America. Hawaii, Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> he, has a, he has a decent run of them. That's what I'm saying. It's got the distance to be able to drive into it. Yeah. And he clearly can drive. I just don't see why he just doesn't actually go into the back. Unless the back is just more stable a thing. And they go, right, whatever you do, don't just, the front will just crumple. Don't just, don't just smash into the back. Yeah. Um, and I did notice, so as he does it the second time, Austin's music plays. So a man could be dead, but we've got to have someone there. We've got to have the crowd go home happy with a bit of a grass, glass smashing music to end the show. We're going outside. Um, the fact we got outside, it's some bloke just out there with like a tape deck. <laughs> yeah, just on his shoulder. <laughs> Very 80s style. Um, so that, yeah, that's the visual to end the show with uh, Austin smashing into the ambulance. It's got no, not much to do with the Buried Alive match itself, but as I say, there was a lot going on in this episode of SmackDown. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one then, Chris? <laughs> I feel like we signed every Buried Alive match so we're not going it's a weird one <laughs> these, <laughs> yeah. these these really are because this one this one is this one's really odd because the match seems to have just be taken out of nowhere the very live stipulation there the match itself is perfectly fine but everything else around it is just absolutely bonkers it's all the best it's like all the best bits of wwe all mashed together but just with no context. Yeah. Um, I actually really enjoyed this one. I thought the action was really good. And the, the uh, Big Show Mankind spot was probably the best um, 
one of the best spots we've had so far in the in the series, particularly with um, actually tying it in with a buried alive match because there was a few good ones with the Undertaker Mankind, but they were they could have been in any match. Whereas this one, yeah, I thought that was the the best spot we've seen so far. That's yeah, I mean it was it is a really good spot. As I say, just it's just how random this match is just to suddenly pop up. Yeah, on on episode of SmackDown, no, and I think no. that's. I think that's part of the reason that there's so much happening. Um, so we had eight people involved in a tag title match. Um, but it's because it's a, an episode of SmackDown, so they're obviously wanting to keep the stories going on TV, essentially. Um, I'm really genuinely starting to think that we'll never see a clean finish in a Buried Alive match. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got that feeling. So... <laughs> because we're watching ones that have happened in the past, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I still know what's to come. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I genuinely thought this one was, I think, my favourite so far. There was no downtime in it whatsoever. The crowd were incredibly hot for it. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was, Oh yeah, don't, the best don't get, so far. Yeah, don't get me wrong. This is my this is my favorite one so far, just because the sheer amount of action and the sheer bonkersness of having everyone just rock up in it. Yeah, it's just okay. Just the we're, we're always saying about how a match should fit in with the storytelling. This just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, what are you giving it as a star rating then, Chris? I'm giving it a three and a half star rating. This one because I say I enjoyed it. It's short and sweet. And bonkers, but it's everything just, you I'm like saying, in wrestling, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I know. And this, but this is just out of nowhere. So, yeah, I think three and a half. I'm giving. It. It's it's very good, but it, oh, I, just, I still see now. I'm starting to doubt myself. <laughs> well, I'm I'm giving it three and three quarters. There isn't actually a, a Dave Meltzer rating for this one. I, I assume because it's on an episode of SmackDown. But yeah, we'll assume, we'll assume since it's Dave Meltzer, he gave it minus eight. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Um, but yeah, again, just we've talked about it, but the, this episode of SmackDown is so good. Um, it's such a good period. And that leads on nicely to what happens next. Um, so two weeks later, The Rock and Sock regained the tag titles on Raw in a handicap match against Big Show, Viscera and Midian, basically because The Undertaker didn't really fancy it that night, I guess. <laughs> on the following SmackDown, they go on to lose the tag titles to the new uh, the reformed new age outlaws and then the roar after that we get the this is your life segment which i think is still the highest rated segment in in raw history um so again everything seems to flow in um the undertaker at this point gets sidelined with injuries um was that was what would they were saying on sort of tv but i think it's around this time that he's going through divorce which uh, may may play into it as well um, so the big show goes on uh, a singles run, feuds with the boss man. You're dead, daddy. That that feud. Um, <laughs> uh, bad, like, that does give way to one of the single greatest, the greatest moments ever in WWE. Yeah, it's it's some uh, some moment as you say. Um, so yeah, bit, um, big show uh, goes on a singles run. He ends up um, winning the title uh, from Triple H. Who, <laughs> between losing the title uh, between tonight and losing the title to the Big Show, loses it to Vince. Uh, thanks to Austin on the next episode of SmackDown. Thanks to Austin, he then regains it at Unforgiven in the Six Pack Challenge, beats Austin at No Mercy, and then uh, of course Austin gets run over by Rikishi. Because uh, why? Why would that not build in, uh, build into this one? Oh, what a time! I might have to. I, I've, oh, 
I wish I had more time in my days to be able to fit, fit stuff in. I'll have to go and watch this period in SmackDown and Raw history and go through this six months and just treat myself and rewatch it. Yeah, I uh, I think it's a, a really good period in, in history. Um, as you say, it's just so much happens. It's so bonkers. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. Um, and obviously that uh, we this then leads uh, to The the Rock um, winning the Royal Rumble, which we've covered previously, Austin returning. It all sort of flows into the, the end of uh, the Attitude Era, Attitude Era with The Rock and Austin at WrestleMania 17. It, it, everything, I don't know if this is deliberate, but everything seems to flow into the next thing almost perfectly here. Maybe I'm giving uh, Creative a bit too much credit, but... It just all seems to, to work, click together so nicely. Yeah, well, be, to be fair, we slag off creative when nothing works. So we should probably say, yeah, you know, I'm sure this was just really great planning. Yeah. I suppose they're lucky that most their stars stayed fairly injury-free around this period. So that when something yeah, other, other than happened, Austin, but yeah. down the line did actually happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you say, it would be unfair to say when when um, when it's not great um, like it is at the moment in WWF. Well, particularly on on Raw, I guess SmackDown seems to be um, on a bit of an upward trend. But it would be unfair of us to lay that at creative's feet and then not <laughs> credit create if when there is good things that happens. It would be quite hypocritical. Okay, any closing thoughts on this one? I know that you've obviously now are keen to go back and watch all of the uh, Smackdowns around 99-2000 period, but any closing thoughts from this one? <laughs> no, it's, it's, apart from the fact that it has, as you say, reignited my fire to go and watch this time. So if anyone needs me on Twitter, they can hit me up and find me watching <laughs> Raw or Smackdown from this, uh, this time. I'm going to have to just live tweet each episode as they go out and just tweet, tweet them <laughs> as, as in real time. I mean, that sounds like a great idea for a podcast. <laughs> just watch every single match from as one-off episodes from SmackDown history. Um, okay, so that's it for SmackDown's Buried Alive match from September 9th, 1999. What we're going to cover next is... I, I know that Chris is barely able to contain his excitement for. We're moving forward four years and we're watching probably one of the most brutal matches of all time in terms of a, uh, of a buried alive match. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm so looking forward to this. Uh, how many times do you think you're going to watch it before we record the next episode? I reckon, about, I reckon I'll watch it at least five times before we record. Yeah, we're jumping to Survivor Series 2003, which um, we have covered um, the Austin and Bischoff Survivor Series elimination tag in a previous series. Um, so yeah, this this is a, a really good Survivor Series and I can't wait to cover our next episode. As always, don't forget to subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at SelectMatchPods. Thanks as always for listening. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you very much for having me. And speak to you next time. Bye.